0: Hello, I'm Dr. Stephen Hassan with another episode of the Influence Continuum. And this this episode is special to me in my heart. As you all know, I was recruited into the Moon Cult in 1974, dropped out of college, quit my job, bowed with my head to the floor before pictures of Moon. And his wife, the so-called True Parents, bowed to the floor in person many times in leadership meetings, got deprogrammed. and, And anyone who's heard me before, I've interviewed many former members who've been raised in different authoritarian cults. But I have a very special guest with me today, Elgin Strait. Uh, And Elgin, I heard you being interviewed uh, uh, by Andrew Golds on the podcast and listened to your story, and I asked Andrew to introduce me to you, and I honestly didn't realize you had your own podcast called Falling Out, which I've since started listening to episodes. In particular, I I just listened to two episodes with an ex Uh, member, Lima, uh, a woman. Actually, Limi. Limi, thank you for the correction. I think Brazilian uh, in any case. Um, And there's so much I want to share with the public, so I'm very grateful. uh, And I just want to introduce you, Elgin Strait, second generation member of the Moon cult. And based on hearing you uh, do interviews, you have no problem with using that term, right?
1: No, I, I don't. I think uh, you know I, I I don't like the term X Mooney particularly for me because I never chose to become a Mooney to begin with. But in terms Good of X, in terms of X second generation, but we sort of get lumped together into this greater X Mooney community, which is fine. Just semantically to, to you know, to I think it's a but.
0: very valid point, and I stand corrected. And. Um... I think I should have introduced you as someone whose parents joined the Moonies cult and yeah. you were and they were in an arranged marriage yes. and and you were progeny supposedly sinless that were gonna yes. populate the world and get rid of satanic evil lineages everywhere. Yes, and
1: uh, it's safe to say you've said no. I don't believe this crap anymore. I have said no. It took me many years, decades, but yeah, I'm I firmly, yeah, firmly, de- firmly out. I am, um, and I, I have to say, um, your your reputation has uh, preceded you uh, uh, <laughs> in many ways in my life. I remember being, I don't know, maybe four or five years old uh, in the in the '80s, and and hearing your name. Uh, Whoa, I, that's a long time ago. Uh, and my parents were basically saying you were, you know, influenced by the devil, at, you know, doing the work of, of Satan, uh, you know, these sort of things. You, you were like the boogeyman, basically, uh, when I was growing up.
0: Yeah, so I, I, um, I left in 76 and I went public. And then of course I was, they thought I was brainwashed by the deprogrammers try to get me back mm-hmm. in because I was held up by Moon as the model member and they couldn't imagine that I would betray Father mm-hmm. and, and the mission. But I was so horrified that I had believed all this fascistic, horrible, right- wing stuff, and uh, worried about all my family and friend, not my family. My family were traumatized, but my friends, and all of my spiritual children and my spiritual grandchildren, people I had recruited in and who they recruited in, I wanted to get them out. Hmm. I wanted to be like, you trusted me, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. I yeah. manipulated you, I lied to you because they lied to me to get me in and they convinced me that Satan's children dominate the world so we have to lie to Satan's children and get them to God. That's yep. twisted logic. So
1: very familiar to me. Yeah. Right,
0: but I do want to just add one more quick story. A former leader. So I was one of the top uh, American leaders in the New York area where Moon moved to, yep. uh, and they moved the headquarters from D.C. to New York. And yep. I was I was supposed to be the internal able to Neil Salonen, then president of the Unification Church of America because moon didn't think he was obedient enough and the kamiyama wanted me to model for neil to you know to do whatever i was ordered okay. to do without question
1: okay wow okay i didn't know that so i just a couple things a couple Please. things spring to mind there so first of all I, the, the guy you mentioned neil solonin uh He's the guy who first greeted my mother when she went to her first unification church uh like like workshop setting or her first uh-huh. visit to a church center. So if that if, if that guy had never done what he what he done like my life would have been completely different basically. So he yeah, he anyway I like, So I'll I, tell I you know a name.
0: quick Neil Salonen story from when I was in the cult and um I never. By the way, I went to three-day workshops twice, and I never went to a seven, twenty-one, okay. forty, or one-twenty. In okay. fact, Kamiyama sat, stood in front of Sun Myung Moon when all the American leadership was being sent to one-twenty-day training, and he argued I was too important where I was. And Moon held out his hand over my head and said, "You just graduated a hundred and twenty-day training," <laughs> which was
1: pretty. <laughs> Pretty cool. I thought I was pretty special. <laughs> Instantly certified.
0: Yeah, and and another time where I was literally, uh, you know, even though I was recruiting and lecturing, I was still sent out to fundraise, and okay. you know, to show my, you know, break my ego and to be like yeah. all the members. Yeah. And I'm in Manhattan under and you know the the L's where the subways were. Pouring rain, I'm having a box of chocolates, and this Lincoln Continental limousine rolls up, and I recognized it was father and mother. Mm. So I instantly ran to the car, and can you imagine I'm bowing to this black Lincoln Continental (laughs) car. The window rolls down, and they're beaming, you know, Moon mm. and Hakchahan yeah. are beaming at me, and I say, "Father, we, mother, would you like chocolates or would you like mints?" You know. Wow. And they're like, "Give us the chocolates," and he handed me twenty bucks. But the big thing was the next morning, Sunday morning. There was always the gathering at Belvedere, yeah. and Moon said how everyone should be like Steve. Uh, ready for the bless a blessing to come out of the blue, because mm. Steve did the right thing at the right moment, and he held me up as the model member for Americans to follow, and it was like oh you know validation from the greatest man in human history. Yeah. Fast forward to what you started saying about me being the demon. So when I got out, I started an ex-member group called Ex-Members Against Moon, Mm. and um, and a former leader who got out later said that they had a leadership meeting about me because I was Mm -hmm. organizing the ex-members, and Moon called me the negative messiah because I was leading people straight to hell, was his words, is what the ex-leader said was said about me. So I... And at the time you have to understand like I was freaked out that I was mm-hmm. going up against this wealthy powerful yeah. politically connected cult I thought I would be assassinated at any mm-hmm. moment in fact at when I was protesting yeah. the matching at Madison Square Gardens one yeah. of the Japanese leaders went like this to me oh wow and and I and I tried to go talk to people who used to I used to hang out with and yeah. they would like Ugh you know, running to the other side of the road and things like that. So I, yeah. I was very aware
1: that I was like persona non grata. Yeah. you And you were, yeah, you, yeah. You mean the, that was definitely evident. Like you were, you were talked about, um, and I've actually had, so we'll, we'll talk, we can talk more about my podcast in a second, but I've had guests on my show who are you know other second generation like me, who I, uh, you know, here even, even now as adults, um, their parents, uh, who are still in the cult um, are of the impression that they are going to therapy with you um, it, just because they are sort of negative against against the church. And I'm I'm certain the person I'm thinking of is, is not a, 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 a client of yours in any way. Um, but you're sort of I couldn't you are this, say like,
0: even if they were. Yeah, yeah well, they, they told. Problem. Yeah,
1: but they they told me that they'd never spoken to you. Yeah, and yet their parents are. Convinced that somehow you're involved in their, you know, their disillusionment with... So, uh,
0: like many other religious cults, Satan is more powerful than God. And, Mm. you know, anyone who's against the group is obviously Satan's agent.
1: So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Can I, can I, I just want to ask a question about those, those early days. Please, Uh, ask away. Did you, did you live in the New Yorker hotel? No,
0: I live, I live, so I was... uh, Recruited at Queens College, okay. lived in the Flushing Center, and the New York was split into eight satellite centers. All and right. I was the first person to join the Flushing Center. Okay. I was then uh, sent back to start CARP at Queens College. So I was founder of CARP at Queens College. Yeah. Later, I was assistant director at Flushing. Later, when they moved the headquarters from D.C. to 4 West 43rd Street, I was moved into 4 West 43rd okay. Street. Okay. That's where I was supposed to correct Neil Salonen. And the, and what I was told, and you'll appreciate this or not, but I think you will, uh, was that Salonen actually had a meeting with Moon and complained that... that uh, he, that parents were not able to spend enough time with their own children. Oh. And Moon said, if you want to open up a kindergarten and no longer be president, let me know. Wow. He, he literally asked Father Moon. Uh, and, 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 wow. and just like Moon said to my friend Alan Tate Wood, who was the top political. Uh, American uh, uh, leader, Father, what do we do with the members who have a problem with homosexuality? And Moon said, Tell them if it becomes a problem, to cut it off, barbecue it, put it in a shoebox, and mail it to me. Yeah. And that's, and and Alan (laughs) later said, I knew I was leaving at that point. And he said, mm. and then when we met on a TV show when I first got out, he said, Steve, I left because people like you were being groomed to be little Nazis. And I said, mm. I agree. I was. Wow. I was I was I would have done whatever I was ordered to do. I was yeah. that indoctrinated.
1: Yeah. Wow. So oh, shall, shall I just kind of give the audience sort of a sense of like the the arc of what it was like growing up there, and that's my uh, hope exactly okay. because yeah, um,
0: people need to understand uh, folks like you. There are millions, not just of the yeah. moonies, but other cults coming out, yeah. going. I never had a normal childhood. Like I'm, like I'm carrying all this baggage. Yeah. So yeah, please absolutely. share. Yeah. Please. So
1: I guess yeah, and that's why. Well, one reason I ask you about the New Yorker Hotel is, is I guess like for me, that's where it all started. So. Uh, I was born in the early 80s and my family lived in the New Yorker Hotel, which, is, uh, which was the, at that point, well, you know, it was still owned by the moons now, but it was kind of the epicenter uh, in the 80s of sort of moony life on the, on the East Coast.
0: So um, when I was in New York at 4 West 43rd, I was lecturing across the street from the library to get people to go to Barrytown for a weekend workshop. Yeah, the group had bought the New Yorker Hotel, but it was just getting like cleaned
1: and renovated. So that was when I was in New York. Yeah, so there were a lot of families living living there in that hotel. Mm -hmm. Uh, They had a they had a communal daycare there. Um, They had I and you mentioned uh, the Belvedere Estate earlier. There was also a building. Uh, up there called Jacob House, which I think you've been to. Yes. And that, that's that's place- where they
0: had wheelchairs, Elgin, where people were going out pretending to be cripples and handicapped to fundraise. Oh, wow. The okay. wheelchairs were stored at J House. I
1: remember. Wow. Sorry, okay. I'm, I'm interrupting wow. you. Yeah, Keep no, no, going. no, that's fine. But the, the reason I mentioned that is, I think this is really important for mm. the audience to understand is um, there was a time, uh, In the late '70s and early '80s, where so in 1975, Moon did a did a a, a big mass wedding. Uh, My parents were part of that, Mm -hmm. Uh, and then uh, you know in the subsequent years, there was a the surprise surprise there was a baby boom, Um, and Moon wanted to keep those parents uh, continuing to work for him full time, Uh, and so to facilitate that, what he did was create a a group childcare facility uh, in this place called Jacob House, which is outside New York City. Uh, and pa- and kids were sent there at the age of 100 days uh, to go and, and live there without their parents um, so that their parents could go and either fundraise or, uh, you know, gather new members for a moon. Um, and that, t- to me, there's something is so deeply wrong about, about that as of the beginning of your life. And we talk about this on, on my show and some of my guests were, were part of that. Fortunately, I was not subjected to that. But this is what's happening um, to these kids that are that are part of this, uh, and that's just that's just like the very very beginning. I mean, so that's you know when you're when you're a toddler, and sometimes these kids wouldn't see their parents for years. Their their parents would be out traveling yep. for the church. Sometimes the parents would come back, the kids wouldn't even recognize them. Yep, uh, that that happened, and there were multiple facilities like this around around the world. Uh, so that from from infancy, you you could be a part of this institutionalized system of neglect uh, for, from, you know, you know, for, from hundred days old, you could, you could start there. Uh, now, fortunately I wasn't, I wasn't there, but I, I can also tell you to give you a bit of context about what this was all like. What my, my earliest memory uh, is I remember I was four years old um, and my dad told me the story um, we were reading an illustrated ch- children's Bible uh, first story, the story of Adam and Eve. Um, we read that and he's like, he's like, okay, we we read this, we read the story. And at the end of it, he's like, okay, we got to talk about this. This story got it wrong. Uh, and here's how, here's how, here's how it got it wrong. Number one, um, it wasn't actually a fruit they were eating. It was, um, it was, uh, Lucifer seducing Eve. So he told me what sex was at the, the age of four. Uh, and then it was, it was, uh, Eve seducing Adam um and that created this um created all of the suffering in human history uh from those acts um and that's led us to where we are today uh by the way elgin you have one of the greatest gifts a, a human could ever receive which is you are free of that blood lineage uh, you have you're free of that you have no original sin uh, as part of that it's also your job to make sure the lineage continues and to be a good soldier for a Moon and his family, etc. Um That was at the age of four. Uh, and that was like the very, very beginning of a life uh, you know, in my entire childhood um, being taught, you know, shit like this. And you mentioned, excuse my language, um, uh, you mentioned, you mentioned, you know, Moon telling telling people to cut off their genitals. Uh, you know, I remember being in speeches where he would say similar things. He would say, if you have any Sexually impure thoughts. You should you should take scissors and cu- and you know cut your genitals. Uh, you know speeches where he's telling women to pour concrete up up their vaginas. Um, this was this was part of like like we would be in the room listening to these speeches. We would be reading those speeches in our living room as a family. Um, that was like every you know, every week we, we were reading stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, um, so yeah, I think you know you. you it, it, you mentioned earlier sort of losing your childhood. Uh, that was part of the loss of the childhood. That's not the whole story. But this is kind of the, back, the, the backdrop right. of my life. But I would just
0: add that the the reason to separate kids was to keep the commitment to him, not to allow the parental love and yeah. the, the, the bonding from the children to the parents because Moon wanted allegiance to his army.
1: Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely, right. I, I agree, and and I and so, whilst I didn't experience that as an infant, um, particularly in in the U.S. and it's not like this in in all countries, but in the U.S. it it would be possible for a kid to go through more or less their whole life, uh, in some sort of uh unification their whole um childhood, I should say, uh, into early adulthood in some sort of unification church, uh so called educational institution mm-hmm. um, so there are those nurseries um, the, in the DC area they they have a um, which is where I grew up um, uh, for most of the time um, they have an elementary school and a high school um, so you could you could go to that school it's not a live-in facility um, but you could you would go there you know every day learning the mooney stuff um, they also have a program, and I, I did this for a year, they have a program where you go to effectively indoctrination camp in Korea. So I, at the age of 13, I lived in a dormitory in Korea uh, with about 100 kids. There were, I think, four dorm parents.
0: Yeah, um, the fatherland, right? Correct.
1: Yeah, the fatherland. We all so, needed
0: to learn Korean when the world you know, gets saved. We're getting rid of all languages and all religions, and it's only yeah. going to be moonism
1: and Korean. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. So. I went there, I was in the eighth grade for me, and I basically, my education stopped for a year, pretty much, um, uh, so I could learn Korean language, Korean culture, and Unification Church uh, indoctrination theology. So did
0: you actually like kimchi, is my question? I did. I grew to like it. I grew to like it. Um, <laughs> I liked it in the group. It's a little too spicy for me since I've left. But uh no, I, I have I have I have grown to like it. It's pickled it. Uh, cabbage for people who don't know it's a Korean. Yeah. It's it's not a mooney thing. It's a Korean No, it's a Korean food. thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's
1: a Korean thing. Yeah. Um so I, I was, you know, I, I was there. Um I came back. Thankfully I went to to a normal uh public high school, but it would have been possible for me to go either either to a a. a a uh, day school, a Mooney day school, or they also they also have uh, live-in high school facilities as well on mm-hmm. the East Coast in, in Connecticut. So I know people who've got who were there in high school. Effectively, hmm. uh, they also they bought the University of Bridgeport. So in theory, it's possible to go to university. Yeah, they as don't well. have it anymore. I don't think. Okay. I okay. I think they right. sold it. Okay,
0: but, but uh, yeah. that was a big deal, and I can. Yeah. I have stories about that, but keep okay. going.
1: But yeah, so fundamentally, I just want to paint this picture: like it, it's possible for for people to spend their whole life as part of this institution that that places itself in the role of parent, mm-hmm. uh, and, and to your point, intentionally cuts those familial ties uh, so that people have more allegiance to to Moon, effectively. Right, um,
0: right. and so for the listeners, Moon was telling us. You know, Steve, never be in a room alone with a sister. You know, mm. the guys slept on on sleeping bags on the wooden floor, even in the wintertime, the women on another floor. But I was afraid of being molested by women my whole time mm. there. And honestly, I, I will say this publicly I never masturbated. I was 19 to mm. 22, not a single time. I had two nocturnal emissions and I had to <laughs> repent and fast for three days and take cold shower conditions. Mm. But I was like, I really believed there were 10 generations of my mother's and father's ancestors looking at me at all times from the spirit world. And if I did anything wrong, they would be angry and they wouldn't be elevated and all that yeah. other crap. Yeah, yeah.
1: So, um yeah, I mean, we we heard that like I oh, heard that all my life. One one of the th- <laughs> I'm every so sorry. every day was was like that. And and I wanna like I mean, one thing that I, that I remember hearing is is like if you ever fantasize about anyone, um, when you go to the spirit world, you're gonna be connected to them. There's gonna be these like black tentacles connecting you to anyone that you've ever fantasized about. So yeah, I am, I think all that is is I. I all that is to, to like if I could sum all of that up, it's it's an incredibly unhealthy environment when it comes to sex and relationships. and we didn't know any different. That was all we knew. it was coming from our parents from from day one effectively. yeah. yeah. Um,
0: and they also uh, members didn't uh, weren't told the truth about how many women moon was having sex yeah. with, married yeah. before kids out of of wedlock, Uh, just the hypocrisy was unbelievable. Nan Sokong wrote, In the Shadow of the Moon, she was married to the eldest son of the latest wife uh, who confronted Moon, uh, she said in her book and on 60 Minutes, and he said it was providential that I needed to have sex with these other women. And, um, And in the meantime... We because the people need to understand this is a racist, you know, purification, yeah. Yeah. kind of white supremacy, except it's Korean supremacy, yep. where we were going to be adopted into this holy lineage so we could have, so your parents would have sinless children and you would have sinless children, but only because they were sinless, and in the meantime sook saying, Hyoshin's going out with prostitutes, snorting yeah. cocaine, beating up members, kicking me in the stomach when I'm pregnant. Yeah, and that caused a lot of Americans to leave when she went yeah. public.
1: Yeah. Well, I was yeah. So that book came out, I think, in '99, uh, and uh, I was I so I think I was 18 at the time. Mm. Uh, and and that book is actually what what made me. Uh, basically basically made me leave uh so at least at least initially but but i have to tell you so basically the age of when I was around 18 that book came out um and it's funny you mentioned these like these providential affairs because i remember i the book came out and i my my first reaction because of everything i've been indoctrinated with was he didn't do it uh these are all these are false allegations these 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 are haters effectively that was that was my first sure. my first first instinct but um, then I actually I asked someone in the church and to your point earlier this is an uh a white American guy who had a Korean wife mm-hmm. uh, and the the Korean the Korean wife is important because to your point earlier the the Koreans were more in the know about what's what was happening than than the non-Koreans uh and so I asked him about these these affairs and I'll never forget he's like he's like okay you you gotta you, you gotta understand <laughs> uh there it's true but here's why um (laughs) uh they uh and we had this this long i'll never forget this incredibly long um uh uh, description of how terrible moon must have felt when he was having sex with these women uh because he was you know it was so he he, yeah that was all part of it basically yeah um but when i yeah, exactly. But when I, so when I heard that it was true and I heard like the providential, providential affairs, I was like, okay, so you're saying you can just, you can justify anything at that point, at that point. So w- there's no, there's no internal logic to the, to any of this. And that's when I started mentally, I started to leave, but I'm, so I was, I was 18 at the time. Um I, I was able to go to university. A lot of people who come out of this environment don't go to university. Their parents aren't supportive of it. Uh, educational neglect is a big is a big theme um, amongst amongst my my cohort. Um, but uh, fortunately, I went to university. Still, after university, because of all of the the pressure within the organization to marry someone um, from the group, um, I decided. Like if I could make this work, then maybe that would be the best for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I accepted an I arranged marriage uh, at the age of 22, uh, well, I was engaged at 22 and then I got married when I was 24. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that's due to, yeah, just due to the immense pressure, uh, familial pressure um, to, you know- So were you married to a Japanese woman or a Korean woman? Or? No, I, wa- I wasn't, I uh, was she's actually uh, half Brazilian, half English. Uh-huh. Um, And that's what brought me over here to England. So I live in London now. I see. So were your parents
0: able to say who you could match, or was this a moon? Yeah.
1: So this was my parents basically suggested it. Yeah. Um, Okay. It was so moon didn't. Because they didn't do that when I
0: was in. It was, it was, it was, was, unless you were a top leader, then you could be like whisper, whisper, (laughs) these two and these two. And honestly, I saw things as a leader that you know members have no clue about, like I leaders it. sitting around with index cards of members and like trading them like baseball cards. Do you need Do you need a team captain in your region? I could trade you a, you know two sisters who are good fundraisers for a good. I mean, it was like whoa, crazy. This wow, really crazy but i want to come back to yeah. not only the neglect and the not yeah. having access to the parents but the lack of education i believe mm. about science mathematics history mm. say mm. some more about about what you now <laughs> know that you didn't know what you should have known
1: so i have to say i'm i'm i'm, I'm fortunate in that regard uh, okay. because i i I was on a track in, uh, in the public school system that was like focused on math science, uh, oh okay, computer science effectively. So I actually learned a lot of that. Um, and I, but I have to say, I actually wanted to become an, an engineer. Um, and I learned this the hard way to become an engineer. you have to do a lot of calculus. Um, and uh, that year that I was in Korea uh, is, is the year that I was meant to be learning algebra. Uh, and I never learned algebra. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when I came back, I started getting into getting into higher order math and getting into calculus. And I just didn't have the chops to do the to do the calculus. Mm-hmm. Um, and that actually like kind of ended my ended my aspirations of being of being uh, an engineer just mm-hmm. because. I didn't have the background, and I couldn't really make make it up. Um, Interesting. What do you do point. now, so, may
0: I ask, Elgin? Uh,
1: I work in I work in sales in the tech industry. Uh-huh. Um, so it's yeah, I'm I'm doing all right. I've I it's it's not engineering, but I, I'm I'm doing okay. Um, but and and I, I guess I think the whole educational neglect is is not something that I was that aware of personally mm-hmm. until I started doing my podcast. So my podcast is fundamentally me interviewing other people who grew up in the same cult yep. uh and i'll talk a little bit more about it later but no tell um, us some s- s-
0: some stories yeah
1: well, i i guess i'll tell you some stories but i i also want to like want to set the scene for Please. why I, for why i started it Great. so i guess um so i got uh i had the arranged marriage in 2005 um uh moved to england uh we were together uh until about 2018 mm-hmm. um and uh that's when we when we split up uh we, so i'm i'm now divorced um and something about going through the divorce I, actually, I i feel like that's when i left the unification church for the second time because it, even though, so my ex-wife was not was kind of was same as me she was like i don't believe in this but if we can make this marriage work great um so she wasn't particularly religious, but at the end of the day, that religion was a was a remnant of the cult's control over sure. me. And so then, when that marriage ended, then I felt like I kind of really examined my life and sure. tried to understand what had happened to me. And so um, I started uh, reading books, uh, going to courses, and just trying to understand cults and what, what was happening, mm-hmm. uh, or sorry, what what had happened to me. Um, and as part of that, I guess I a a few things happened. Number one, um, I my my feel is that the 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 cult recovery industry, if you want to if you want to call it that, I don't know if it's big enough to call it an industry, I wouldn't.
0: I'd like it (laughs) to be an industry where people can get real help, yeah, but,
1: but but most of the resources that exist within it, not all, but most of them. Um are aimed at people,, um, they're aimed at people who have loved ones uh, who have been sucked into a cult uh, on on their own, mm-hmm. or someone who's joined a cult and then and then left. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's there's very little that's that's aimed directly at people who who grew up within this within within these environments. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt that was I could do something to address that. Sure. Um, and I also felt that put, if you put that to, to the side, if I think about everything that we went through as kids, um, th- there's, there's so much shame and and, and and guilt, uh, built into that experience. Yeah. Um, and that, that only serves to give the, the organization greater control effectively. And the one thing that you can do to help remove that control is just talk about what happened. Uh, it's like, it's like the, the one thing that can be really damaging to them is just talking about what what happened um and so i i guess th- I, those thoughts were going through my head and i also realized i had a conversation with a few different people who had who had grown up in the cult like me they'd all left but they'd all left for different reasons and i just i thought well wow how powerful might it be if you would just Collect the stories of why people left, mm. um, uh, and podcasting was sort of the perfect medium to do that. So. It's
0: great. If I, I got to tell you, it's kind of mind blowing for me to talk to you, uh, and as you're talking, like neurons that I haven't accessed for forty-seven, <laughs> eight years are coming back. But part of the indoctrination is to never say anything bad about. Yeah. The leader, the doctrine, the policy. And it's called multiplication of evil. Like if you say yeah. something, and it's, of course, I call it information control under the bite model. Yeah. But um, you have so much phobia stuff programmed in you not to talk about anything that you're critical about that yeah. it's so healing to go, I'm going to do it anyway. And yeah. then you do it. Yeah. and somebody listens to you and gives you feedback, and it just takes out all that crap phobia yeah. and stuff. And I'll just add that psychiatrist Judy Herman uh, wrote a great book called Trauma and Recovery, and she said the best thing trauma um, survivors can do is tell their story and be mm. believed. It's like the number one healing thing is not to feel alone. It's not me. I'm not stupid. I'm not possessed by demons. You have real thoughts and real feelings and real experiences.
1: And then you can compare notes. Yeah. Right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. And so, I mean, honestly, the, the feedback that I've gotten from the show has been has been amazing. It's, great. it's incredible. I mean, so... Falling yeah. out, people, if you want to
0: uh, check out Elgin's great contributions and work and just hear more. And I might add, it might help people coming out of the Jehovah's Witnesses, children of God, the Krishnas to hear, because that's another healing thing is to realize, oh my God, it was a totally different group. But there's the same issues that we're yeah. all dealing with.
1: Yeah. And I've actually, I've heard, I've heard, I, I can't I say for certain, but I actually think I have more listeners now who aren't, who didn't grow up in the Moonies or who have no connection to the Moonies than I, than, excuse me, than who actually grew up in the Moonies. Um, although it's hard to say for for sure, but I get a lot of feedback from people who came from other groups who say, look, this is really healing for me to hear. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, I was just kind of blown away within a week of, of launching the show, which which started about two years ago, um, three people, I, I learned of three people who had left the cult um, just as a result of listening to the first like six episodes or something like that. So. Yep great. It's like fan- fantastic. I'm just going to keep doing this. It's it's, it's working.
0: Yeah. We got to try to find Nansuk uh, and get-, get and I would love get to speak with her. Last I heard, she was in Massachusetts and I, I, I interacted with her decades ago when her book came out, but I haven't followed up. And I think there was some type of financial arrangement for, the, for taking care of the kids oh. where she stopped being public. So okay. I don't know if she's got a hush thing forever or it was just yeah. till the kids turned 21 or whatever okay but uh, i definitely recommend reading in the shadow of the moons or go on youtube and look up nan so h o n g uh, on 60 minutes chris wallace yeah. interviewed her it was a great great episode um so talk about trafficking labor trafficking and <laughs>
1: Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting. I didn't even, I hadn't even heard the term labor trafficking until I started my podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I kind of, that's when I understood all oh, like, oh, that's what happened. That's what happened to us. Um, and that's what happened to you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's what happened to my parents. Three to four hours
0: um, a night of sleep and seven yeah. days a week and no pay and no vacation. Yeah. I think so.
1: Yeah. And actually, yeah, so this that there, there's implications here specifically for the for the second generation. So, and, and I think uh, I, I would love for more people to be aware of this. So, um, the part of you know we, we talked about the educational institutions that one could be a part of. Uh, another part that you're meant to do uh, is this thing called special task force. Uh, also, uh, the acronym is STF. Uh, and that's basically it's, it's mobile fundraising. It's kind of what what you were doing, going out in vans, mm-hmm. uh, you know, lying selling trinkets to people to get lying money, to people selling trinkets on the side of the road. Yep. Um, all this, all this sort of stuff. And so, kids, once basically once they graduate high school, they're encouraged to basically do that full time for one to sometimes three years. Um, and these are these are dangerous conditions. Mm-hmm um and i think it was in 2000 2001 an 18 year old woman uh was raped and murdered uh on one of these fundraising runs um we talk about that on my show um i actually just did an interview with someone a few days ago that hasn't aired yet uh someone who thankfully that didn't happen to her but it was it was quite quite clear that the guy who was inviting her into her house did not have her best intentions at heart <laughs> um and this, you know, this is an organization who claims that oh, these these so-called blessed children are so pure and so perfect. And we need to do everything to protect them, mm. uh, and yet the organization is sending them out into into harm's way, where they're getting raped and murdered.
0: Yeah, as if they uh, need the this, money too. Yeah, it's like they got yeah. billions of dollars, but they still yeah, but they want that cash that can't be
1: traced. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, the uh, and yeah, I mean, part of the part of the indoctrination is. Especially as a kid growing up in it, but probably it was the same for you. Is your the sort of spiritual blessings that you receive are are directly proportional to the amount of money that you fundraise? Yeah, the for so-called the or, for the organization.
0: spiritual blessings, ha ha, yeah. Ho, ho. yeah,
1: yeah, exactly, exactly. So that is, yeah, it, and it's still happening to this day. Uh, it was happening during COVID. I found that out. Um, yeah, while doing my show, they were sending kids out during the COVID pandemic. Um so yeah, it's just happening it's happening. So to talk to me
0: about Sean and Justin Moon. Have any thoughts about the rod uh, of uh, iron ministry uh, and the yeah, gun I, factory? These are I, eldest uh elder sons of Moon and Jahan. Yeah. Go on.
1: So yeah, I so I remember meeting Sean at a workshop that we did. So, okay. Another part of the indoctrination is going to these really long summer workshops, mm-hmm. uh, which are kind of, you know, you're, you're not eating well, you're not sleeping well, you're doing mm-hmm. eight, eight hours of lectures a day about the moon theology, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. Anyway, I remember, uh, I think I was like 14 or 15 years old. I went to one of those and Sean Moon, the the gun cult guy, um, uh, he's around my age. Uh, and he was, he was at that, that, camp, which was a, a big deal to have one of the so-called true children at the camp. And actually him and his brother, um, I think his name was Philip, the one who committed suicide in Vegas. Um, oh, jumped out of a hotel window. Yes. Yeah. So both so Sean, Sean was there. And even even as a teenager, he was I, I'm sorry, I have to curse, but he was he was such an asshole as a as a teenager. He was unbelievable. Um Beating beating up kids, um, just yeah, re- really, really awful. And his brother, the guy who killed himself, was was a really lovely as a, as a kid. Like they're polar opposites in terms of. And um, Hyojin was like
0: that too. Hyojin yeah. was a total a hole. Uh, yeah, and he's the one who died prematurely from all the cocaine and everything yeah. else. Uh, yeah, he was very abusive and controlling and it's the opposite of what what should be with a spiritual person which is humility and compassion and kindness and love this was bullying elitism hatred just uh disgusting
1: yeah yeah sean is a bully at the end of the day he's a bully i saw that i saw that firsthand Uh, and he he had very little oh he had no compassion for the kids around him i remember at that in that uh in that camp that i went to there was one of the older so-called blessed children was giving sort of like a heart to heart to the kids and Mm -hmm. kind of being like hey it's it's, you know it's not that big a deal if like sometimes you're interested in girls or boys Mm -hmm. like it's it's not that big a deal give yourself a bit of slack was sort of what this guy was saying Mm -hmm. uh and in the middle of speech in front of like a couple hundred kids a 15 year old Sean Moon just gets up and starts screaming at this guy. Uh and to his credit, the other the other guy held his held his own and, and held his ground um in this, wow. this altercation effectively. Uh so my I this if, if this person is listening, they know who they are. Uh my uh, they have my eternal respect and gratitude uh very for putting Sean Moon in his place. Yeah,
0: but yeah, but, it's it's unusual, but very cool. I have to share a quick Hiosian story from Belvedere. <laughs> Just I uh, forgive me, but I so uh, after Moon would speak in the morning on Sunday, there would often be like gatherings. The members would have the day off. They'd bring in food, whatever. And I was playing softball with some of the blessed children and mm. some of the other kids. I was pitching to Hyoshin. Okay. And I I tried to make it as soft and easy as possible, right? <laughs> yep, yep, he swung course. and he missed another one. <laughs> swung and he missed. I threw another one, swung and he missed. I and then I was like looking around at everybody. <laughs> uh I think it's three strikes. He's like hits the bat to the floor. Pitch it again. And uh I of course, had to obey the holy, you know, child of the Messiah. Mm, so I yeah. pitched it again. He swung and he missed. He threw the bat down. He said, "Game
1: over," and That's we all one. had
0: to stop. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah. Of course, right. Yeah, I mean, they're they're spoiled billionaires' kids, exactly. Um, yeah, the opposite uh, of what we would think
0: a real spiritual person should be. Yeah and have these kids um uh, forgive me i i shared way more than i meant to in this so oh, i really okay. want to give you more time i'm looking at the clock yep. and we have yeah. we have about 15 more minutes so i really yep. want to yep. invite you to to share what you want most Want our yeah. listeners to know but
1: i i guess I, I, per, well if if i think about um sort of the well the, the if I think about everything that we went through, um, first of all, it, it, it's it's a devastating environment for a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, suicide and suicidal ideations are very common. Uh, depression is very common. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the the environment that we've that we've spoken about, first of all, it's, a, it's it, it is it is an environment of sexual abuse on its own. Uh, it creates an environment where sexual predators uh, are are allowed to thrive in some cases, mm-hmm. unfortunately. It also sets people up uh, for further sexual abuse later in their life. I've, I've, I've spoken particularly with to women who basically say um, they they fundamentally they've been in situations where they didn't know they could say no mm-hmm. because they were they were taught that they couldn't. Um, well, men are
0: subject uh, and women are objects in the moon yes yeah. divine principle. By the way, listeners. So women, like many
1: other cults. Women have no rights, and yeah, they have exactly. to do what they're told. Exactly. Yeah. No, this is not <laughs> this is not unique to the Moonies, right. Uh, But it's certainly part of what we what we experience. So, I mean, this is a this is a real, and you know, this people have died. Um, uh, you know, kids have died doing doing these these fundraising things. Mm-hmm. Uh, kids have been neglected. Um, others have died from other sorts of neglect. This is not a harmless religion. It's it's it it's not a harmless organization. And um I personally I think it's um and you mentioned this earlier, like it's not just us thousands of ex Mooney kids. There's there's the you know, the Mormon kids and the Scientologist kids right. and the JW kids and blah, 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 blah. I there's millions of us. Uh and I feel like we and, in general um we are we're we're a byproduct of of society's generally laissez-faire attitude towards religion uh that effectively excuses child abuse uh in in the name of religious belief and that's a fundamental we're like i I just feel like that's something that society doesn't want to reckon with um we're, we're a byproduct of that and no one really wants to to pick up that rock and and, and look at it, quite honestly, mm-hmm. and that's part of what my podcast is trying to do, is just kind of like scream, like this is the reality that is being constructed for not just for us but for million millions of others, and I just wish like society could somehow get it through its head that something needs to be done uh, to stop. Uh, you know, religion being being a shield for abuse.
0: Yeah, so I'm going to interrupt you for one second and just uh, encourage you to listen to my interview with Marcy Hamilton, who's a law okay. professor, CEO okay. of Child USA. It's the only international think tank specifically aimed at making children no longer be property but have actual rights. Uh-huh. And she specifically wrote a book called God versus the Gavel, where she is taking on religion. And in fact, she's involved with three people raised in Scientology suing the cult for trafficking. Okay.
1: Okay. So that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I I think if anything is going to take this, take. This sort of stuff down, it's gonna be through human trafficking. Cause I I Agreed. kind of I mean I'm not a lawyer, but it feels like a pretty clear cut case. Yeah. So I'm definitely gonna check her out. And there's something else that I want to mention please. for your audience. I think this is really important. And 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 I suspect this might have happened after you left mm. the Moonies. Um, but it's this um the the advent of of coerced adoptions within, oh, please within the Moonies. Yeah, um so um, basically, and we talk about this on on my show. Um, I've had guests who, who who went through this on their, on yes. their own lives. Um, but basically, the the Unification Church has this doctrine that um, only members who have been blessed by Reverend Moon can have these so called sinless children. Uh, Meaning part married
0: of the, by Moon, not blessed. Could, correct. In, in, married, that's loaded yeah. language. That's correct. Not, Sorry. Excuse me. Yes. Okay. Yes.
1: Married by Moon. Only if they're married by Moon. Right after that marriage their kids are sinless yeah. um that's step 1 step 2 is to really um experience the full love of god um uh you need to have a so-called blessed family so blessed parents need a blessed child uh now this becomes problematic when parents are unable to conceive right. um because yeah there's you know there's millions of other kids that they could adopt out there but those kids don't have this uh, pure blood lineage. Um, so what that does is it creates demand within the organization for for parents who are unable to conceive or, or excuse me, couples who are unable to conceive um, for them um, to adopt the children of of other parents uh-huh. who are able to conf- to conceive. Um, this is't first of all, this is encouraged by the organization. Um, uh, you know, women who give their kids away are considered heroes. sometimes they're given they're given cash prizes. For doing that, um, and sometimes it's done under extreme duress. I've had multiple, multiple testimonies on my show um, where um, basically pregnant women are brought up on stage, hmm. uh, and a church and a church leader basically says, "You got to give your kids away." Uh, and so there are these women, these poor women, are up in front of hundreds of people. You know, it's incredibly. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of pressure up on that stage, and they're coerced into giving their kids away. Yeah. Um, this is so. This has been happening. I know many people who have undergone that, and um, it's of particular interest right now. I think because of what's happening in Japan yes. um, with the Shinzo Abe assassination. Yes. So, I'm actually, I'm actually, um, the, one of one of the one of the the great unanticipated benefits of doing my podcast is that some of the people in Japan uh, basically told me that by listening to the stories on my podcast about this practice. Uh, they were able to effectively influence the legal strategy of the activists in Japan uh and now the the activists in Japan are specifically targeting this practice uh that the unification church is is still doing to this day yeah uh, um so, Kudos uh, so to partic- to you thank you thank you I mean it's a particularly cruel yeah. um, uh, practice and i just think the world needs to know about it and i think the other thing is i mean you look at what happened in in japan mm-hmm. the abe assassination uh, shinzo abe is, is the tip of the iceberg mm-hmm. of of all of the political you know vip grift uh that is associated with the unification church and personally i would love for the amount of scrutiny that's being placed on on those connections in japan I would love to see that spread. Of course. Uh, It's happening in the US, um, it's happening here in the UK, uh, it's happening in many, many countries, but no one is really applying that lens like they are in Japan. Um, Agreed. And I would love for someone to do that. I mean, it's going to take multiple-
0: Agreed. They were also like getting lonely Japanese men promising them women to marry. And, and, And so there was like a sex trafficking piece
1: Oh so yeah, I think I heard about, yeah, I think I heard that about this that as well. needs
0: to be exposed. But unfortunately, the moonies have way too much political power in the United States uh, yeah. as I see it. So I'm not I'm doing everything that I can, but um, you know, the fact that Trump, P- Pence, Pompeo, Esper spoke for Hak yeah. Jahan saying what a yeah. wonderful group it this was and yeah. all of that crap Uh, is very this was after the January 6th violent insurrection that Sean Moon was present for saying it was Antifa. Um, And as far as I know, there's been no prosecution, no media focused on the Moonies involvement with January 6th, even though I've done everything I can to.
1: Yeah, I know. I will. And I I can tell you. Yeah. So so there are people on my show who have family members that are part of the Jane that were part of, excuse me, part of the Sean Moon uh, subcult. Yep. Uh, But they they were telling me about people they know taking part in the insurrection, effectively. Um, well, um, so, I think like, we need
0: to do know. a part two. I think there's way more stories uh, that we need to share and yeah, to share with, for that. with our listeners. I can't leave without saying Moon had a child out of wedlock, gave it to Bohi Pak to raise, and yep. Sammy Pak didn't even know that he was the illegitimate. Son.
1: Yeah. And some of these, some of the kids, kids who are passed around internally don't know that they're, that yeah. they were, um, you know, the, that that happened to them.
0: Yeah. So I check out Marcy Hamilton. And okay. I think that thank you. she, she's really gone, uh, so strongly into protecting children's rights and, okay and saying, just cause you, you're, you have a, uh, IRS certification, your religion doesn't mean you have the right To abuse people, especially children, yeah, Yeah. and it's so obvious, but you know, people have no. Yeah, no one wants to.
1: Yeah, no one wants to to look at that. Uh, It's unbelievable. Yeah, and the cults have
0: done a good job. When I say good, I mean effective job of hiring scholars of religion, so called sociologists like Eileen Barker who said, Oh, the Moonies yeah. don't brainwash people. I yeah. know because I went to a workshop. and I said, yeah. Eileen, when we knew that there was a sociologist coming, we changed the workshop. Oh, they would never do that. That was in the UK. <laughs> I'm like, are you <laughs> kidding that? me? I was a leader. I know exactly what they were doing. The
1: ends justify the means, Eileen. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. But she built her whole was- reputation. She did absolutely. My, I, I'll tell you one thing about her. Uh, my, my dad. Um, so my dad used to run one of the front groups, the international conference for the University of the Sciences. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And Eileen Barker was one of his contacts, and so he would, he would like, he was like friends with her. He would pay for her to fly to the, this conference here, that conference there, uh, and they like they stayed in touch over the years, and it was obvious that like like, I think it. She had consumed a lot of Mooney dollars uh, in, in travel and entertainment fees, effectively.
0: Yeah, and honorariums. <laughs> and just she made yeah. a whole reputation on uh, being an expert on cults, getting money from the UK government for inform, which would yeah. basically just say there's no such thing as brainwashing. And you need to meet, you understand your adult child needs to have freedom to be themselves. Uh-huh. Missing the whole point of undue influence.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Right. So, Elgin, my man, uh, look forward to meeting you in person, but let's do yeah. another one. And, okay, sounds um, good. Uh, sounds more good. stories. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And th- absolutely. there's got to be at least 75,000 uh, ex-moonies in America from my calculations uh. that have not been public to say, oh, yeah, I was yeah. in that. And, oh, yeah, yeah, you know. I was told to break the law, I was told to steal, I was told to lie for God, Mm. et cetera. And especially the political machination stuff. Uh, My friend Mike Lisman shook Richard Nixon's hand during the, God wants Nixon to be president despite Mm. Watergate, so we should ignore the rules of law. And God says, because Moon says God says, and that was another version of what was happening with Trump in January. 6th, yeah. Well, God says okay. Trump won, so therefore, and how do you know God yeah. said that? Oh, my apostle told me because he gets direct revelations from God. Excuse me. Hmm. Uh, back to reality, people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. thank you, my man. And uh, no um, if I if I can just plug if people wanna find the show, so just look for falling out on all the pl- on all the podcast players. My website is fallingoutpod.com, uh, Instagram, falling out pod, Twitter, falling out pod. You-, you can find me.
0: Perfect. I'm really glad uh, you said that. And I hope people will subscribe and like and give positive reviews and share your episodes. Mm. Uh, and encourage ex-members to contact child USA and say hey mm-hmm. we we were abused in in the moonies and you please consider doing a trafficking suit for us or whatever yeah, yeah. That, I think she'd be pretty up for it honestly because okay. she's. She's not going to, if she takes on Scientology, she'll take on anybody
1: in my opinion. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. She's aiming high there. Uh, So yeah, that's really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Pleasure. Have a great day. And thanks again. Cool. Thanks, Steve. Talk to you soon. Cheers. Bye-bye.
0: That's it for today's episode of the Influence Continuum. I've been your host, Dr. Stephen Hassan theme music for the podcast is by Nasser Malik. To keep up to date with me and happenings that I think are important, please visit my website at freedomofmind.com. There you'll find in-depth articles about cults, mind control, and other relevant topics. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at cultexpert. If you want to develop a comprehensive understanding of these topics, I highly recommend my books, Combating Cult Mind Control, Freedom of Mind, and The Cult of Trump, in that order. These books are a culmination of 45 plus years of experience And will really help you grasp the complex web of undue influence. I have also launched a new nine-hour online course for anyone interested in a deep dive into issues related to recovering from undue influence in all forms. While this course is designed for clinicians, everyone can benefit. If you're a former member, I congratulate you for your bravery and invite you to use the hashtag, I Got Out, and join our online community at igotout.org. Remember, love is stronger than mind control, and thanks for listening.